In this episode of the Philly Blunt, we sit down with Chef Elijah Milligan. Elijah got his start at his parents' restaurant and then worked his way into the kitchens at Lebec Finn, Stateside, Laurel, and Vernick. He currently has his own spot in Lansdale called Stove and Tap. Elijah also runs a pop-up event in Philly called Cooking for Culture, which showcases the talents of local African-American chefs. He's also working to make careers in the culinary world more tangible and accessible to younger African-Americans. Kindly rate our podcast after you listen on whatever platform you're using to help others interested in celebrating Philly find us. Literally takes five seconds and you can do it anonymously. If you have a minute or two, consider giving us a detailed review. And don't forget to subscribe so you always are up to date on the latest episodes. And finally, follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all as the Philly Blunt. We hope you enjoy this sit down with Elijah Milligan. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Philly Blunt. My name is Shiny Goodtimes. I'm Reef. This is Greg. And uh, we are coming at you from a hopping Jose Pistolas down on 15th and Spruce. We are hanging out with a locally renowned chef, Elijah Milligan. Uh, Elijah, welcome to the show. Hello, Elijah. Hi, thanks for having me. What's up, man? What's up? Um, well, real quick, before we get started, uh, what made you pick uh, Pistolas? We asked you where you wanted to uh, dude, have a drink and hang out with us, and uh, what is it about this place? Uh, this is my spot, man. A lot of memories here. Uh, it's been around for a long time. The owners are great. Uh, food's great. Drinks are awesome. So, yeah. good spot, Joe right? and Casey are top-notch. Pretty dope. Yeah, very cool sure. dudes. So, let's... A uh, lot to talk about, but let's take it back to the start, because you got your start in your parents' restaurant uh, just to serve you. Uh, now, where did your parents get their start in cooking? Uh, so it was really my dad more. Um, he, I think he, you know, he cooked a little bit before. Uh, he did like a little seven-year stint in prison or so. Um, he got out, and it was really, truly his passion. So, you know, I would say maybe a few years after getting out, he was like, I want to open a restaurant. And he took the necessary steps. Uh, he had a couple chef jobs or so working in our industry. And I think when I was about 14 years old, we opened up the first restaurant. Yeah. So, so what, what kind of food did your dad serve? What was just to serve you? Like? Uh, his lane is uh, soul food nice. and, yeah, seafood. The good nice. stuff. Yeah. Soulful seafood. That's my favorite. <laughs> so like, 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 uh, Most people, right? Yeah. <laughs> so... You got your start there. So you started with your dad when you were a teenager. Yeah, everything from um, opening his restaurant. So, you know, bringing in equipment to, you know, the painting and the decorating and all that stuff to, you know, day one of service. Do you you remember? No, so so you were there when the, the restaurant first opened? Yeah. Oh, wow. Right, every okay. phase of it, yeah. We'll cut school sometimes, and nice. like we'll go pick up some equipment in New York for like half off. So. Nice. Where, where was the restaurant? Uh, it's still it's still there, uh, 56 and Gerard Avenue. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's mm-hmm. what's up. And then yeah, they did they have one in Wilmington, too? or? Yeah, we have one in Wilmington, Delaware. We just closed one up in the Alany section of Philadelphia, but we're looking at another location in a relatively the same area, like uptown. So. so you work at the family restaurant for how many years? Uh, I was there until I graduated high school. Um, I'm obviously, because it's my family, I'm still involved a little bit. Uh, uh, where'd you go? Well, high school. Uh, yeah. Fells in the Northeast. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. You got to be smart to get into Fells. 
I, I wouldn't say that about everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think at that point, I was like, uh, actually started high school um, right down here at Broad and South Street, World Communications, the okay. school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we moved up there. It made sense to go to a local high school, but right. I already knew I was going to be a chef, so I was like, let's just get, you know, the last you couple see, years. You knew early on this is what you want to do. I had a good idea that I was going to be in this business, so. What was it? I mean, was it just working for your dad for a couple years? Were you just in love with the work? I, I think it's a lot of different factors. Um, I think the most important being, you know, being able to serve someone and, you know, give someone a memory. And, you know, even now when people come to me and say, wow, this is the best anniversary or best birthday and you cooked for it, like that's it's so self-rewarding. Be able to teach others, be able to just, you know, I think the hardest challenge ever is putting a good plate of food in front of someone's faces, you know. Yeah. You'll get an immediate reaction, you'll know if they like it or not. Uh, so that's yeah. what it's all about. And I've always uh, just had a love for it. So you, you go from the family restaurant to working for Georges Perrier, is that correct? There's some steps in between, but yeah, for sure. Um, you know, my first fine dining job was for Chef Daniel Stern at Ray Restaurant. Oh, that okay, was at, yeah. Yeah, at the Sarah Center, 30 for an arch. Um, uh, he, he does R2L now in uh, mm-hmm. Liberty mm-hmm. Place. Yeah, yep. um, put in some work with like the Star Group and Jose Garces Group. And mm-hmm. yeah, Lebec Finn was a couple years down the line after getting out the family restaurant, but it's been a few years there as well. So you start working for George Perrier, who is renowned in Philadelphia circles, both for serving exquisite French food, but also being perhaps the most demanding boss. In Let's call it what it is, a tyrant. That's put it nicely. What's your first impression of him? Uh, I mean, first impression, I still remember first day walking into that building, and he had some high-end friends coming in, and I mean, he just went straight savage mode at like 9 in the morning. I was like, man, this is my first day. (laughs) I think he fired me like four times that day. It was like, it was crazy. Um, But I learned a lot of things I'll never say to him. Like, I will never say I don't know to him. Like, it set set a trend for like the rest of our relationship, so. He didn't accept uh, the words, I don't know? Yeah, it was like little stuff like that. Okay, I'll never say that again. I saw someone do that, and he got his his ass chewed out, so I was like. Looking back through your whole career now, is that just at a, a standard or a bar that you haven't seen since? I, I honestly haven't. You know, I've kind of, you know, for a while after we closed down, I was looking for that in the next, like, few restaurants, and I realized that, you know, you can't be like Perrier. You can't right. really, you know, the guy has so many lawsuits against him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, that's not really... Where is that guy? Is he dead? Did he he's, he's, around. He's, he's, he's around? He's still around. I mean, he's probably, like, two blocks away at, like, Burger. <laughs> yeah, just chilling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, most of the chefs that you've heard of in Philly... Came up through Perrier. I mean, for, partly because there weren't that many restaurants in the city, right? Yeah. And before the explosion, but a lot of the explosion was due to him, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely had an institution. Um, is different than like a lot of cities. Like going to New York, you have your, um, you know, um, Eleven Madison Parks and Percy's and all that. Um, you know, that was an institution here in Philadelphia to learn how to become a great chef. You know, I learned that in culinary school. It's like, you want to become great in Philadelphia, learn that at Perrier, you know. Yeah. I think it was really special. I remember one of our closing nights, um, we had chefs come from all around the country that used to work for George, and, like, just the amount of talent that was in that room, and even the ones that were just, you know, still in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It's like, it was amazing to see how many people came up under him and, you know, what he meant to a lot of people. So, so you were there You were there at the very end? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Part of closing crew. Work. And then you worked with Nick Elmy. Yeah, so he's the chef over there. Um, we did Laurel Restaurant. Um, he has the restaurant Laurel on Passion Avenue. Worked for him for a while. Um, yeah, I've been around. And uh, Vernick, another guy that's Vernick, yeah. James Beard Award winner. Right, we opened that up maybe a year after. I think it might have been a year after Lebec Fink closed up. That's when Vernick opened. So, I mean, really great project. Vernick is still one of my favorite chefs in the city. Uh, really, really smart guy. I'm excited for his new uh, restaurant opening up, too. So. So you've started uh, one thing you've 
been working on recently is Cooking for the Culture. Uh, tell us a bit more about that program and uh, what your goal was in doing that. Uh, Cooking for the Culture, that was a fun one. So um, we started that when I moved back from California last year. Um, essentially, you know, it was supposed to start as just like a collaboration dinner between African-American chefs. Um, I do pop-up dinners and collaboration dinners all around the country and a lot of times I'm the only black person on the team so mm-hmm. uh, it happens it, you know it's part of the game I'm used to it but it was one of the things where you know I actually came here when I came back to Philly I was actually in Pistola's bar and I ran into two old friends that happened to be chefs and they were black and you know we kind of caught up and you know I wasn't really happy of what you know I heard that they were you know kind of going through over the years and I was like you know it's it's not the same playing field you know I had yeah. just as many white friends that have black friends it is what it is um, but you know it just wasn't fair and I thought you know how would it be cool to just kind of get more exposure for African-American chefs and mm. you know let them know that we're out here and we're behind these restaurants mm. and we're, we're doing some great things in the industry mm. um, so the first dinner was like, you know, we're just going to get a bunch of African-American chef friends who are already kind of killing it on the scene, and we're going to come together and find a venue and cook together. And the biggest, you know, the biggest thing or the first draw with that was that we want to do everything but soul food. So we wanted to show that, you know, African-American yeah, yeah, yeah. chefs can For do sure. much more than just soul food. You know, we can mm. cook Italian, we can cook French, we mm. can cook, you know, mm. we can go as modern as you like it. So... Um, we did the first dinner. We got really, really great feedback on it. The city really loved it. Um, we got great press behind it. I mean, we sold out within a matter of, like, I think days. And it was, it was pretty fun. That's awesome. Um, but I think what it meant to, like, the community mm-hmm. and, you know, just other up-and-coming chefs that are watching that, you know, I think some of the chefs that were originally just friends, they started becoming, like, superheroes or some right. of these guys in school. Yeah. So. And I think so. also for, like, younger people that see that, that it's may a, have a passion for cooking, I, I yeah. feel like that's not something that in our community is really at the forefront but I know some people that can throw down right. they just never were pushed into the culinary world yeah and then it's know? hard when you kind of look into that world and then you don't see anyone that looks like you yeah. so mm-hmm. I can understand how some people will get deeded off of right um, what so do you I think, think that is that the reason that they're not given the same opportunities the same as every other reason they're not I've had so many conversations about this I mean I think there's just so many different factors mm-hmm. uh, I mean when it comes to business and I talk to my African American chef friends mm-hmm. and I say hey we open this restaurant maybe just don't target African Americans right. <laughs> you know right. uh, yeah. You know, you kind of limit yourself to that right. just type of press, that type right. of buzz, that type of word of mouth. Um, so I think it's just, is, is that know, part of the reason that when you said, you know, obviously you know how to cook soul food, that's what right. you came up with, but you wanted to steer away from that. Mm-hmm. Was that part of that? Is you're trying to appeal to a broader audience? Absolutely. Go what you trying to say, man? <laughs> <laughs> easy, just, easy. Just go, just easy. go with it. Just go. Like, I don't. Yeah. Me and my man yeah. over here, like, <laughs> right, yeah. right. trying to like. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead, finish your No, I'll go, I'll go. Um, yeah, you know, it was, uh, there was some, you know, before we started the first one, it was like, you know, it really was just supposed to be fun. It was like, you know, how do I make this happen where I get 13 African-American chefs to come together? And, you know, you started kind of doing some research on it. It's like, wow, no one's ever done anything like this, you know, especially on this scale. So this is, there's no blueprint to follow. And, you know, we want to also create dialogue when we, you know, have an event like this. Right. Um, so, you know, you start kind of looking at the numbers and I started reading some articles that were coming from, like, you know, black journalists about the fine dining scene. And you just kind of put a little bit of everything together. So I don't think there's one person to blame at all, you know, but instead of just kind of sitting back and saying, well, this is not fair, this is not fair, it's just like, well, let's just change that yeah. now and yep. get it done. I like that. Um, like, so. To put it in perspective, is it 5%? Were you the only African-American in the kitchen? Like, what kind of... 
Uh, I mean, listen, I think even when you look at, like, you know, look at the amount of restaurants that's in Philadelphia right now, and yeah. just think about how many African-American chefs you're getting off the top. I don't be seeing none of them. I mean, they might be back there hitting, right. I don't, right. I don't, or at least when they get pressed, I don't Yeah, I don't and it's not to say, I mean, you know, and it's funny because I was actually talking to one of the writers from the website Boost. They do a lot mm-hmm. of writing for Philadelphia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they showed up to one of my events, and I'm friends with all of them. You know, they've given me mm-hmm. good press. I've been blessed with that. Um, but, you know, we talk about, you know, you drop a top 50 list, you know, twice a year or so, and there's normally maybe one restaurant ran by an African-American on each list, and it almost right. feels like it's just kind of hitting the quota almost. Mm-hmm. Right, um, right, right. Is it frustrating for you? You know, in a lot of these situations, if you're in a kitchen and you're the only black chef in the kitchen or the only, uh, you know, is, is that something that's difficult for you to uh, deal with? Or is it something that's just sort of like you just acknowledge it and are like, I want to change this? Yeah. Do you, do you feel like you have to over, like, be far better than everyone else? For, for the longest time, yes. You know, you had to, you know, and I, I've been a chef at places for a long time. I think for a long time, yes, you have to operate a certain way. You know, what I would learn from, you know, some of my mentor chefs and I would portray that same type of passion or energy is like, oh, this is just a black guy with attitude. It's like, mm. I can't be passionate like that guy. Like, he's the yeah, yeah, right. um, So I think in that sense, yes. I, you know, I think with the food, I think with a lot of things, you know, I think it's, um, you always had to go a little bit above and beyond. Um, over a while, kind of pushed it out of my head. I feel like that was something I kind of thought about too much. And I said, hey, I'm just going to make sure that my food is better than the next person. And that's what we're going to get about, you know. I like I'm, that. So a few years ago, you move out to California. Uh, you worked out there and some restaurants out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's specify north, or, north or south. Oh. I lived in both. Dude. Okay, I lived in both. Yeah, I moved out originally for Northern California. Um, I was in the Bay Area, um, Napa Valley, Napa Valley as well. I was out there. For you were in wine country. Oh yeah, oh Love shit, it. You came back. <laughs> Imagine coming back to this, right? <laughs> so, what did you learn uh, from your trip out west? Uh, it's just a different style, you know. It's a different dynamic. I think you're you're cooking for a different crowd. Uh, what's accessible to you? Um, I think that was the hardest, easiest switch over there. Hard to really switch back. You know, the seasons are a lot longer over here. You have like, you know, kind of like seven or eight micro seasons when it comes to food. You know, spring is broken down in two parts. Over there, there was like. You know, you have corn eight months throughout the year, tomatoes eight months throughout the year. I walk out back and have fresh rosemary and figs and lime. I didn't have that down South Philly, so <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it, was, it was a difference. You know, I, I ordered fish from my restaurant, and I knew I was coming out the waters at six a.m. in the morning. So, when you say the crowds were different, what's the difference between West Coast and Philly? Philly's smart. Philly loves good food, but we don't feel like great food all the time. Right. You know, we've had a lot of great restaurants, I think, pop through the city, but the ones we tend to go through the most are the ones that serve the cheese steaks and uh, mm-hmm. the places like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there's... Comfort foods. Exactly. Yeah. That's what Philly is more about. Um, that's why you see a lot of, you know, those kind of high-end... You know, that scene in Philadelphia is essentially dead almost. Um, over there, people still go for it. People know about food people have farms in their backyards as well so like they you know and they'll 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 also pay for the food you know like you know obviously san francisco napa valley they have some old money that comes out of there so you know there's certain dishes where i'll put over here for like 25 bucks people like are you crazy and over there i'll sell it for like you know 80 100 bucks and people say i'll take two they don't even look at the menu they don't even look at the price it's like one for my dog too they're like go get so okay cool like it's a yeah let me get that wagyu for my dog it's like a this is a 60 day dry out stick Want it for your dog? Like, no seasoning? Okay, cool. In one article I read, you talked about you made cheesesteaks while you were out in California. Yeah. What was the reaction out there? Oh, they loved it. I mean, I did it the of right course. way. I took some, yeah. took some ribeye, rubbed it down for like three days, and, you know, froze it up, shaved it thin, and then I think the key to it was something that they use out there. I don't think anyone in Philly even knows what this is, so they have this rollover that's native to the Bay Area called the Dutch Crunch Roll. Have you ever mm. heard of that? No. That's the, is that the... 
almost like a bowl with soup in it. Am I, no, am I no, 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 no. So it's like think, think like I a, had that at the board. <laughs> yeah. at the yeah, board they, they told you it was yeah, a Dutch like, crunch roll. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like a, it's a type of sourdough bread, and the way they bake it is they finish it with like a layer of like a, a, a rice flour mix or so. So you have this really crunchy roll with a really soft inside, and I mean it's amazing. So like. I think it was really like the kind of munchies talking. I was like, oh my yeah, God, this yeah. one, this roll would be amazing. And, yeah. you know, certain out there was pretty awesome. I mean, there's little things out there were like, right. you know, Scrapple and, you know, they don't hear those things in, you know, Napa right. Valley. So, <laughs> right. like, oh my God, this is amazing. I remember like making <laughs> fresh Scrapple and like, this is amazing. I'm like, like what is this? Is this you don't want to know? Is this organic? Is this organic Scrapple? <laughs> like, just eat, hurry up, just eat it. Just eat it. <laughs> it's getting Farm raised Scrapple, this is? It's getting cold. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. So you're out, you're out in Lansdale now. You're out in the yeah. Amish country of all places. Lansdale? Lansdale? Yeah, that's where, that's where my restaurant is at now. So right. tap, yeah. It's fun. So how in the world do you end up in, I mean, you come back from Napa Valley and now you're in Amish country. You're, I mean, well, you're all over the place. It, it was is where, Lansdale really Amish, Amish country? country? I don't think I don't, it is. That's yes, more Lancaster. I think that's more no. Lancaster. Like, Lancaster. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. Lansdale, I know. Right, let's get Johnny oh, another I'll, margarita. I'll take another margarita. <laughs> Well, they both start with L A N. I was I was on the right path. Yeah. He's yeah. transplanted. So that's just where, that's where you decided to go when you came back. Uh, yeah, you know, I was kind of looking around and seeing what my next move was. Um, moving back, I knew I was going to be here for quite a while. So, um, you know, the owners of the restaurant I work for now, I've known them for a long time. We have a great brotherly relationship, and you know, it's smart. You know, I worked right. in the city for a long. I used to live right around the corner, so that's why I know Pistola's sure. really for well. Sure. Um, but it's cool, you know. It's a different, I think, business-wise as well. Um, you know, the crowd that we go for out there, like all the locals. There's not really too many other spots mm-hmm. to go to that, you know, offer what we offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, overall, you know, I think if we did the same thing down Philadelphia, it would be a lot more of a struggle. For you know, sure. I think it works for those type of areas. And you know, we think about like the large scale making money, and like that's where it's at. You know, you pay. You know, four times less for rent on a building than what you would pay in the city. Of course, and, it's smarter. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Then, you know, there's 100 percent less competition. So. Right. You've been playing with CBD oil in your food lately. Oh, yes. Yeah, we like Tell that. Me more. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me hey, more. I need, I need a smoke break. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Right. Uh, what do you think the future holds for CBD oil in cuisine, and what have been the results? Uh, I mean, so far, I mean, I think the trend itself is called on like wildfire. You start seeing the pop-ups happen a few years ago. Um, first, when like the major states started making, you know, weed legal, so like California. Um, you know, I definitely did a couple smaller ones out there for like parties of ten or twelve. Um, but I didn't know too much about it. Now I have a lot more, you know, information on it and. It, it works. People love it. You know, we're doing a couple of drinks on our menu right now that are just like based off of CBD oils, and you know, people. It's a trend. Everyone loves a little bit of, of a buzz. So, um, you know, I, I think the fact that it is legal now and it's easy to find, you'll definitely see a lot more of it, and it's definitely going in a positive direction. I'm looking at it like a, almost like was it Bitcoin or so? Like yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah, one of those things. Sure. People are jumping For on sure. it, and you know, you're seeing a lot more shops pop up all mm-hmm. around the country. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. when you cook with it, is it like? Um, is it almost like an olive oil? The CBD oil just has a distinct taste? It's almost, yeah, like more of a finishing element. You know, you mm. kind of want to finish fresh with it. So um, the last dinner we did, um, we, I used a variety of, like, medical-activated um, 
uh, powders, um, a couple liquids and things like that. So we did it in a couple different forms or so. Nice. Um, and I, you know, I talked to the guests and saw the reaction was like, did you taste it here? Like, what was the effect here? You know, in this dish or so. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's something I'm kind of playing with. I think I went way too heavy in, in dessert course. Yeah, my dessert course. They were like, we did a Q and A afterwards. And everyone was slurring. I was like, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry. Yo, man. <laughs> you know, life is like, it's all about food, man. It's crazy, man. <laughs> What what is something that people who have never worked in a restaurant don't understand? Oh man, how many people you have to just make happy every single day? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, any given day, even if I'm not at work, you know, I probably had 300 people come into my job today, and you know, it's still my job to make sure everyone's happy. I got you know maybe 50 employees or so, making just making people happy, even when you're so stressed out yourself, you have no idea what's going on. I mean, right. there's a lot of you know late nights, early mornings, um, a lot of. You know, not spending the time with your family and like those little things that you know, I think really make us whole. So, you know, you, I mean, shoot, dude, there's so many days I'll work 13, 12 hours and like I don't even eat a full meal myself. And I'm like, right, oh, I'm starving. Right, I'm like, right. why am I having stomach pains right now? And right. I just cook for the X amount of people today. So, yeah. Um, we don't eat good at all. <laughs> I think the better the chef, the worse you eat, honestly. Yeah. Like, we, yeah, we're not eating what we're serving you all the time. For so, sure. So, what's the key in a restaurant to consistency? I think with consistency is um, it's, it's constant, you know, monitoring, constant watching, you know, making sure that, um, you know, it's all about staff training and knowing that consistency is key. Um, you know, you never want to go into a restaurant and you have one thing you think is your favorite dish ever, and then you go back and it's just like this is not it. Um, so you know, getting your staff to think like that as well, like this has to be the same every time. Um, and you know, some things, you know. There's nothing wrong with making some things a little bit better as you kind of progress and all that stuff, but, you know, it's just really just replication, replication, do it this way, make sure, you know, and I think the simpler the food, um, the more detailed it is, you know, this right. amount yeah. of salt, this finish of lemon on the end, and like right. that, and honestly, those little things separate, you know, a bad restaurant from a good restaurant to a great restaurant, yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that's key. you know, what? how you cut the limer wedges, the type of salt you use, yeah, like all those things, sure. yeah. the type of olive oil you have, how long you leave it out of room temperature, the size of the opening on a bottle, how much air it touched it, you know. <laughs> Damn, I never, yeah, you got to yeah, put all that into crazy. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you, uh, do you go to like, sh- like spice shopping for like different, different like stuff that people don't have maybe? Oh, always. Um, I'm that weird guy. I mean, you'll see pop yeah, like yeah. a Mediterranean shop and I'm actually like, we don't carry it anymore. Like, how do you know about this? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, you know, we went on a trip to Mexico a few few months ago, and I was like, oh, I want to do a Mexican, like, pop-up dinner, you know, like, find a pop-up and You know, it's like the Mexican bodegas to find, like, some ingredients. And they're like, how does this guy, all these tattoos know about, like, blue corn masa and, like, the stuff I was asking for, they're just like, what? Who? Like, right. what are you doing right, right now? Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a geek when it comes to that, so. That's what's up. Dude, yeah. I got to ask you, I read an interview you did, I think it was right when you first came back, and they asked you what you missed most about this area. Uh and you said, do you remember what you said? I, I you I said Wawa. Wawa, yes, that's correct. <laughs> what? That was, uh, Why? There's, because as many great restaurants as there is on the West Coast, there is nothing like a Wawa. And I mean, there were so many nights, you know, we, we go out drinking and stuff like yeah, that. Of course. It's, it's 2 a.m. It's like, man, I can really go for a hoagie. And like, there's nothing. A hoagie, some chips. You can't pretzels. do it in and out at that time? Huh? In and out burgers not open. That's that even time? not. First of all, those fries are garbage. Yeah, in and out. It's not the it's not the same. You know what I mean? Like in and out is good. I remember first time having it, and I was, I was low key addicted to it. I think I went back to in and out like maybe five times in the course of like double animal years. style. No. Oh, everything. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I want everything on the menu. I mean, I think the first three times just like you know, give me one of this, one of this, and one of that or right. so. But um, you know, it's, it's just not the same. You know, yeah. that late night Wawa run is like there's unbeatable. It's unmatched. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. it's unmatched. To go there, you know, get a meatball, marinade, you know, so. 
Dude, I, I, I literally, oh, yeah. before I got with my girl and like uh-huh. became like a person that like attempts to cook, right. I lived off that shit. Like yeah, that Wawa sure. was like how you survived in Philly in your 20s. That's exactly. it. Yeah. But that's out of choice. So you like it? It's not just like convenience? You like uh, it? I think it was it was, it was was a little bit of both. It was better. It was yeah. better back in the it day. It was better. Too, right? I have a hard well, time that, finding much I like there. How do you know that what you're doing is really great? Well, across the board, because you said everybody's taste is different. How do you know that what you're sending out is across the board good? Well, because I, I remember, like every day, I don't cook for myself. You know, I cook for everyone else. You know, at the end of the day, you know, clientele, customers, like that's what pays our bills. That's what keeps the restaurant going. That's what keeps us all employed. Um, so when I eat things, you know, it's not always about you know, it's my kind of like you know artistic flair in it. This is what I wanted to taste like. I wanted to look like, but you know, I'm going to make it accessible. We're like, man, I want this person when they're eating it to like taste this background flavor and like get this flavor on the end or so, or you know, feel this texture as they're chewing through this, you know, two three bites in. Um, so it's really just thinking about it from other people's point of view. Thinking about what other people like. Um, there's some things where, like for instance, I mentioned pickles. I'll pickle anything in the world. I don't like actual <laughs> cucumber pickles. Oh wow! I've never okay. liked cucumber pickles. Like one of those things since growing up. But I'll still you put do out it for three somebody pickles. else. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll put there's gonna be pickles in there. Like I don't even eat it, you know. But for sure. so I'll order it for myself. And like no pickles or like you know we'll do like our Caesar salad now has like you know fried anchovies. I don't like fried anchovies, oh, but right, 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 we'll put right, it because right. it makes sense and it tastes good for them. And I'll eat it to make sure the quality is great and it's gonna be delicious. But you know I don't prefer to necessarily eat like that. So right. like so I'm a burger pizza guy, like chicken fingers. That's like yes. maybe seventy nice. percent of like my yeah, 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 the fine the fine diner chef likes pizza and chicken fingers. That's how it goes. Right. But everybody fine dining's eating that most of the week or whatever. And I'm like nasty too. Like I'm like sitting in the bed with the lights lights off. I mean, fine dine every night. If you got money to burn, I imagine you're eating good every night. I imagine you're at the the, the top spot. I can't even think about that. I don't know nothing about that. (laughs) Now, how about special requests? Do you just just keep one ingredient out? Does that drive you nuts as a chef? Uh, Because you're so into a routine about how you make stuff? Because I am that guy. Like, I'll be like, ah, it comes with olives. I don't like olives. (laughs) I'll do it on the mushrooms. I'll do it. I I like everything else in there. Olives, shit like that. I get that. I've had some, and I'm really accommodated as a chef because, again, my my job is to make you happy no matter what. Um, You know, it's just food. Um, There were some things, you know, I could just think of like some stories down the line where like, you know, working at an Italian restaurant where everything we serve is like flatbreads, everything on bread and pasta. Then, you know, you have a pop-up party comes over 50 people and three people are gluten-free. It's like, you you came to the wrong spot, bro. (laughs) If you didn't think about telling us that, like a fair warning, like, you know, even with, um, you know, that last CBD dinner, you know, I had a guy come in and he was like, we're vegetarians. Like, the meat's been posted for two months, dude. Like, like, it comes in a printout with your, and you're going to come here. Like, I don't have a kitchen here right now, dude. Like, but, you know, the nerve. Yeah, so I mean, it really depends. Um, is this I mean, an indica CBD? I only do I only CBD. CBD. Right, it's like, just from, really? Where did you get this from? So you've got all these coals in the fire, and you've got a lot of sort of things you're looking at. What do you think the future holds? Uh, you know, obviously, I think the dream is still the same as when I first got into the restaurant industry. You know, I would love to be. You know, I wouldn't even say a restaurateur, you know, I would just like to be a big influence on the restaurant industry, you know, as a whole. You know, I want people, when they think about certain foods and maybe think that, hey, this guy Eli, you know, really, you know, turned the game around on, like, the CBD thing. Or, you know, when it came to, like, mixing, you know, maybe high-end food and, like, you know, underprivileged neighborhoods, things like that, how to introduce that. So, you know, I think just really being an influence on others, um, you know, it makes me proud of seeing other cooks that have been under my wing over the years. And they're out doing really good things now. Um... Just take it a day at a time. Make people happy, you know. Yeah. I never know what the future holds. It always changes up. Um, listen, the last, like, 
nine years of my life, there's been a plan and it has not went to that at all. So, <laughs> yeah. so you know, it's just, you know. We all can relate to that. <laughs> right, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So, it's really hard to gauge, but I think overall, you know, just being a positive, you know, influence and force in the restaurant industry uh, itself would just make me happy, so. Nice. What, what do you think the future is for cooking for the culture? Um, well, we wanted to expand it. So, you know, we took a break from it for a couple of months just to kind of like go back to the drawing board and say, hey, this is way bigger than what we thought about when we started this conversation, like a place like here. And then it you know, adds up. So, you know, it's how do we make this to more of a global influence? You know, it's important for a lot of people. Um, you know, I think every other day people reach out to me from literally all over the country. They hear about cooking for the culture, which is amazing. So, you know, it's how to, you know, get that. Um, you know, it's the global views right now. We're really looking at the global views and how to get that to spread. I would love if it spread to every urban city in America or so. And everyone had that, you know, and you had that band of chefs that kind of come together. And it's like that team of superheroes, like the Avengers almost. And, <laughs> you know, but that's, you know, that's kind of the vibe that they have in Philadelphia. And, you know, I like what it, I like what it's done with the crew so far. Like, Cooking for the Culture right now, we probably have about 35 to 40 chefs that are part of the team. Um, that, you know, when I say that, you know, they've personally done events with us. They just show up. You know, we sponsor them for certain events. Um, um, and I love that, you know, every day we're kind of a hub for, you know, people want catering or a certain chef. I'm just like reaching out to my guys like, who wants this? Who wants this? So, you know, people are, you know, really getting business off of it. The press is different. Um, awesome. A lot of the ones that, you know, were an original group, they're out there now and they're really, you know, making a name for themselves. So we just want to see it keep growing and, you know, just shouldn't stop. So it's so important for you to be out there because uh, Johnny and I, we, we've kind of volunteered with groups of yeah. African-American kids and. I've been doing it like over 10 years and when you hear them talk about like what their plans are or their goals or nobody thinks like oh I can do a career as yeah. a chef in town it's, and it's, I think it's a lot harder too when you don't see people that look like you doing yeah, what you love totally. to do yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like, everything so it's oh, a lot yeah. easier for us to grow up and say hey I want to be this rapper because I want to be like this guy and this guy right. like that's where I yeah. saw growing up or you know I want to be Let, like let's clarify he's pointing to Reef not me or Johnny when he <laughs> yeah. said this guy yeah yeah, yeah that's right yeah. disappointing I mean, no one can see yeah. us I mean, so I'm pretty good yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's easy to say, like, I want to be that basketball player. I want to be like yeah. Michael Jordan or Iverson or so. Uh, right now, if a kid was to grow up and say, I want to be a chef and I'm a person of color, like, right. who do they have to point to? You know, let's say you really do their research. And there's a few out there. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I think collectively. But I feel country, like on the scale of, like, a, a Gordon Ramsay or the, right, right. the yeah. guys, that you, there, there's nobody. Yeah, that, I was going to say, even on I mean? all these TV shows, Chop, they have, so, like, judges, chefs, right. no one's yeah. ever the, heard the of. Closest there's no one, the, no the people of color that, that, for the uh, most part. Right. That owns the Red Rooster in Harlem. What's his name? Uh, Samuels. Uh, he's like an Indian. Oh, like, Marcus Samuelson. Yeah, up in New York. Um, but, you know, he kind of stays in his lane. So it's just right. like, all right, if I don't want to do that type of food, then right. that's not really the person I want to look up. So you don't really have those type of options where, sure. you know, so that's what we're really trying to change, yeah. you know. Like I love it, that, man. Out there, I know. hope you will be the guy that does that. Oh, so sure. too. And it's, it's more for others. You know, what makes me happy is seeing, like, I get so much more happy, you know. It, it's great, I think, when there's, like, little press that comes up about me. And I'm just, like, fresh off to the side. Like, this is for the group. This is another right. thing that, you know, Cooking for the Culture is on. And there's other things that, you know, people reach out to for us. And they want your skill set, your talent. So sure. and it makes me really happy, like, you know, looking, you know, just even throughout the summer. And every day I go on social media and I see, like, oh, this guy's doing a pop-up here. He's doing a dinner here. He's doing a partner here he's getting flown out to this place you know that's what makes me really happy about it and that's what makes me want to keep it going so sure. we doing a blunt let's do it yeah. all right here we go i'll start it off where's somewhere everyone in philly should eat friday saturday sunday huh? that's a restaurant yeah, yeah. 
What is your um, What is your favorite variety of potato? There, uh, I like marble potatoes. Yep. Little small ones, different colors, peanut potatoes. They're fun. Would you ever take over the restaurants from your father? I would probably have to one day. So. <laughs> <laughs> no it, choice. This has been a, no a, a conversation, yeah, it's, it's I'm always, sure. It's always been a thought. Yeah, like, we yeah. know whenever it happens, it happens. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, eventually they know it's going to have to come to me, and I'll okay. take care of it. You're going to take care of it or sure. sell it or what? But, no, for sure. Like, even, you know, the all the employees that are there, they might see me once every couple months, but they know when I come around, it's like, no, oh, that's, you know, oh, that's the George Perrier Jr.'s in, t- in the house. <laughs> Everybody look busy. So, um, you know, the great part about the restaurants now is that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of our family works in those restaurants as well, so... They, they know what I mean to the family and what I bring to the restaurant game, and um, it's bound to happen one day. What do you love about being in the kitchen, and what do you hate? Uh, I love about being in the kitchen. Okay, what I hate sometimes, I can just think about like past week, you know, just the heat sometimes, you know, just uh, yeah, yeah, that could be a little it's bit frustrating. And then like you'll come outside and hear people complain, just like you have no idea. Right, I mean, right, right. It's thirty degrees hotter where you are than where they yeah, are. Yeah, you're like yeah. standing in front of a wood fire oven that's eight hundred degrees, like in the middle of the summertime, and like people are nice. that's a little warm here. Um, what I like the most. Uh, I think it's all about the team. I think the best kitchens in the world are, you know, um, it's about having a really good team back there, and that team becomes your family because, again, you're putting a lot of hours in next to them every day. You're going through battle, you know. I think the relationships you form in the kitchen are almost second to none, so for sure. Uh, You're on the first date. You're doing dinner at your place. What are you cooking? Uh, Depends on what she looks like. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Pasta and wine or something like that. I think that's always the way to go. Solid option. You know, really good pasta, really good wine on a first date is Mm -hmm. nice. You make your own pasta? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something you kind of turn to a little lesson and, hey, you know, let's all just do it together. Almost like a ghost moment where they're doing the ceramic (laughs) on the wheel. Right. (laughs) Has the recent lockdown on immigrants has that affected your kitchen because i know a lot of staff is from other places and how does that make you feel what are your thoughts on everything in that in that world it depends on the area you know obviously philadelphia you know has that sanctuary city title so and it's crazy because actually years ago we did a dinner series called right to work dinner um where we back you know undocumented workers in the restaurant industry um but it's a lot more different um, we're over in the West Coast, so it was pretty chaotic when all that shit came out, and it was right. just like people were just running for the hills, right? Yeah, it was just like you know, it was a pretty big deal where people were scared to like produce, you know, t- carry any type of idea or anything like that, and you know, it was, it was a real carry your papers like we're in fucking right. knots. Ah, yeah, like you don't you don't see too many like ice trucks pulling up around here to grab people out of restaurants, but it definitely was a thing in California. I remember there was one like place that was not too far from us where they had to close down for a few days because like they took like eighty percent of their staff. So if you had to eat the same food every meal for the next year what would it be are you really guys, are you guys really gonna ask nothing but food questions like nah, is I that all you see yeah. <laughs> is that all he is to you more than a chef yeah like no nah, I'm just messing go ahead so what was that rephrase that that was the uh, only meal I would eat for the next what if, if you had to eat the same food every meal for the next year what would it be oh Jesus I mean I think the easy way out is pizza dude. yeah you can't yeah, eat pizza yeah, for right. honestly yeah. I want pizza think, now right yeah, yeah. Every day. I could eat pizza day. every yeah. day for a year. Or, I could. Or yeah. pasta. But I'll be honest, <laughs> yeah. I, I could eat tacos every day for the next year, too. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, yeah. Uh, is there a better seasoning than Lowry's seasoned salt? <laughs> Adobo. <laughs> Old Bay. Old Bay. <laughs> Boom. There it is. You know, my, That's my, my guy. Dude, I have a bad addiction with that shit, man. My, my favorite oh seasoning, my my favorite, my favorite seasoning probably ever, though, is um, get a chance to check it out. It's called Moorish Spice. I'll give you the recipe later, but... um. 
Morris? Morish. M-O-O-R-I-S-H. Um, it's a Mediterranean spice. It works great with everything. Vegetables, proteins, lamb, chicken, all that stuff. Um, it's like a mixture of like garlic, paprika, um, coriander, a little bit of cinnamon. Just a great spice mix. So um, that's always been like, you know, I do a lot of events. Uh, there's some things where like I'm not planning an addition to like the day before. And, like that's always like go to like, I'll do more spice chicken and like people will go crazy over yeah, it. Yeah, all right, so Morish. Yeah. My last question for you. The perfect, you you just blazed or you just did whatever. What is the late night munchie go to? Whoa, like the ideal. Like if you had it in front of you, after- you say while I'm leaving. <laughs> nah, I was actually gonna say like hot sausages, man. Dude, I love Ooh, some, some hot sausages. Hot sausages I could pull out at like two a.m. Not yeah. make a big mess in the kitchen. Right. You throw it in the air fryer or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, I mustard. can't even think like that. I'd be thinking about something to order. I'm not cooking anything. If I'm blazed up and relaxing later right. night. Like Dude, it takes two seconds. Like, yeah. no, I'm not it's making right no there. Like, it's and right me, there. I mean, if you're blazed up, I mean, I'll I'll make those while like deliveries on the way or something like this. <laughs> <laughs> like pregame. <laughs> you can book any band or artist for your birthday party this year. Who's it going to be? Oh, <laughs> okay, Jay-Z, all right, for sure. Uh, so you follow um, a lot of people on Instagram, but you follow Margot Robbie. What's your favorite Margot Robbie movie? Yeah, he does this. He's weird yeah, with that. Yeah. Yeah. I follow Margaret Robbie. I didn't realize that. Like, <laughs> every, every, everybody says Nobody that. Nobody ever says realize who he, Greg, Greg hunts down somebody he knows you're not going to know you. I spent like an hour, like page <laughs> down, page down. Who's he following? Was it like Bette Midler or Sigourney Weaver? Somebody who did pull that shit up and they were like, who? Yeah. Uh, I probably saw a hot picture of her, dude. And like, like, it was like, yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, woman, so, totally. Yeah, beautiful. All right. Elijah, we can't thank you enough, man. Hold this up, is a great him, uh, interview. Where, where's, where can people find yeah. you? All yeah. that good stuff, yeah. Uh, you know, right now, definitely check me out at Stove and Tap up in Lansdale. Um, and then also keep following Cooking for the Culture. We're going to do a few more events this summertime. Um, is that the gonna, at Cooking for the Culture on Twitter, Instagram? or? Uh, yeah, on Instagram is Cooks for the Culture, Facebook, all okay. that noise. And then we have a website, too, cookingfortheculture.com. Um, you know, follow that for upcoming events. Um, and some of the things that we're, you know, we're doing pop-ups around the city constantly. So, yeah, definitely check that out. You got a personal Instagram? You want to give our crazy fans? Yeah, underscore the Savage Chef. Nice. <laughs> sweet. Nice. All right. Thanks so much, buddy. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank thanks, you. Elijah. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. My name is Shining Good Times. It's Greg. Cheers. I'm Reef. Take it light. It's the sound of Philadelphia. Covered in blood, the man's office is covered in bugs, the youth dreams cut short.